How's it going, everyone? This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. Jay's here. McLean is here. I am Mike. We're happy to have everyone back on a celebration Monday in the United States after the President's Cup weekend. But, gents, how are you guys? Beautiful Monday night. Great. I'm so great right now. So great. um, That's great that you're great. Yeah, my fantasy team sucked this weekend, and I was sulking, but um, now we get to talk golf, so I didn't play any golf, so I had nothing to sulk about with that that side of things. <laughs> there you so, go. There's some positives. Just gotta gotta dig in, dig in there, and pull them out. <clears throat> That's right. I didn't. I didn't play any golf either. I yeah. Worked somewhere between 65 and 70 hours. <laughs> Not that I, I was counting, but I lost current. I lost lost track at some point, but yeah, somewhere in there, a little. A little tired. I'm fighting off some, I don't know, just run down, fighting off a cold or something. My body's just like, dude, you can't do this. You're getting old. So I'm going to start the what are you drinking segment with. I got a nice triple filtered 2020 bottle of water here. Oh, wow. Is that purified or sprayed? It's purified. Yeah. Um, It's delicious. Check it out. Um, Kroger brand. So there you go. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Yep. Taking it easy tonight. What about you boys? I'm on, I'm on beer one, beer one. Wow. Yep. Me too. Beer one. Well, it's done now. So I'm on to the next thing, which is, uh, yeah, I've got a nice glass of bourbon here to follow up this pumpkin beer that I can only do one of those things. <laughs> That'll cleanse the palate. Yeah. It, it's good. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm trying to get festive right now. I don't mind a pumpkin beer this time of year. Yeah. We watch a little football and yeah, let's go. Let's get, get a fire pit ball. going and. Right. It, it was it was 87 here today. <laughs> no pumpkin beer. Man, it was it's nice here in Virginia. It's like it it was is in nice. the 70s. It was just beautiful. Favorite time of year. Yeah, this is good. Well, hopefully, um Hurricane Ian stays on track. So I have a place to um podcast from next week. <laughs> it's supposed to go go up the west coast, right? Let's go up. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we're gonna get some rain and some wind. They're calling for some a tropical depression, tropical storm potential where I am. Um, but I mean, it could still turn east. I think for the most part, it's all going up. It's going to hit somewhere north of Fort Myers, uh, make landfall somewhere just south of Tampa area. Um, but it looks like it's going to be nasty. I mean, hell, they're calling for rapid intensification. It's going to end up being a cat four by the time it potentially makes landfall. And um, there's a lot of, I've got a lot of guys over there on that coast, a lot of work we do over there that could be uh, severely impacted. Well, hopefully everyone gets through that. Um, all right. I have actually a niece in Fort Myers at school. I'm assuming she'll probably evacuate and head east to where the rest of my family is on the East Coast near you on the East Coast of Florida there. Yeah, Delray will be clean. Yeah. So Jay, what what's the our our what are you drinking segment? It was pretty lame. What what's the bourbon you're you're getting ready to crack oh, into? I've uh <laughs> Got a bot. I think I don't know if I cracked this open the last podcast or not, but it's a Yellowstone. Uh, it's like a special reserve 2022. It's kind of a limited release. Uh, I was going to save it, but uh, I'm not real good at that. So yeah, I opened mind. it and it's good. No, it's awesome. good. They, they they make a couple uh, good bottles. They make a um, it's another one. Um, I think it's the, the well the 2021 and the 2020 version were all pretty good too. So that's why I gave a shot, but. It's good. And my nice little teeny glass pinkies up. There you go. Pinkies up. Pinkies All right. Up. I'm so glad to got- save that segment because it was literally 
two beers and a water. Yeah, I know. I was like, we got to spice this up a little bit here. People are going to turn their <laughs> podcast off. These guys are sober and drinking beer. Like, what the hell's going on? Um, so let's let's get into some to some golf. We did have the President's Cup that we previewed last week. You know, and I I'll say this: I enjoyed it. Now, I was I was pretty busy. Um, we, we had it on at the club all weekend, and I watched a lot of the singles yesterday. Uh, took a half day and, and came home and planted my rear end on the couch. And overall, it was entertaining. I mean, I never thought the result was in doubt the entire weekend, especially after the hot start. The uh, U.S. team got off to eight two after Friday. You kind of saw that coming. I mean, hell, we were talking last week. It could have been over on Saturday. So um, it wasn't over on Saturday. Internationals put up a little bit of a of a fight, and I I I enjoyed it. It was um, you know, just a little different. We got some team golf and rowdy, and you see some more personalities that you normally don't see. And a few stars were born this weekend. And yeah, I I thought it was a, a good product, even though the TV product sucked. NBC's terrible at showing <laughs> golf. And, um, yeah. What about you guys? Just general kind of 30,000 feet view of. I think quail posed as a great venue for the event. Yeah. It, um, it looked, it looked, it looked great. The, the course always in immaculate yeah. condition. Uh, I think that course plays better in its current form as a match play golf course than it does as a stroke play golf course. It's a big boy golf course. It got roided out for the uh, PGA a couple years back. And I, I think overall it, it was a better course to watch as a match play venue. And I enjoyed watching that aspect of it. I didn't watch a ton of it because the U S got out early and ultimately the, um, the outcome that we all anticipated was basically a formality. I mean, they did have a chance to win it on Saturday afternoon. That that existed, and that was probably when I watched the most golf to see if that was a possibility. Once they got, once the international team, I think what uh, won two of the morning matches and made it more of a, they made that almost out of reach. It lost a little bit because it still felt like it was somewhat of a formality. It, just the whole week to me. Um, and I, again, I didn't watch as much as you did, Mike, but I will say every time I tuned in, it just looked like, all right, this is going about as I expected. Um, college football's on or NFL's on. And I, I kind of flipped back over to that. Yeah. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, McLean, you may know better than I, I, Quail Hollow, they overseed correctly. So when they host they the do. Wells Fargo, which typically overseed to ryegrass, where this event, this event was Bermuda. Um, so it, it looked different visually. It wasn't that tall, thick, luscious, uh, rough. And obviously the, you know, Captain Love there, they, he gets to kind of choose how they set the golf course. So he chose and cut down the rough and um, kind of play into Because I promise the... you, if they, if they wanted it long, they would have made it long. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that was a strategic decision. Yeah. Um, Quail moves more dirt than any golf course I've ever been around. Uh, I was out there for a couple of years working with them and was out there on a pretty frequent basis when I was in Charlotte. Uh, to the point where I would say every couple of weeks. And I'm telling you, they move more dirt than any place I've ever seen. Uh, budgetary issues are not a thing there. So at the end of the day, 
the way the course played is how they wanted it to play. That much I can virtually guarantee. Um, and if the way it played again is just that was a strategic uh, decision made by, I'm sure, Captain Love and the rest of the team, or you know, whoever's in that decision making room. I'm sure some of the assistants, captains, Jack, Zach Johnson, Jack Johnson, you like that? Yeah, Zach, <laughs> Zach Johnson, um, and some of those other other guys. I'm sure uh, had a had a hand in it. But yeah, I, I mean, I think again, like I said, I, I was it was entertaining to me. You know, like I was just telling you guys before that we we started, I had a few bucks on the event, which <laughs> kept me a little more in tune to it than than usual. Um, thank you to Tom Kim for missing that four footer against Max Homer on eighteen yesterday. Cost me my prediction of seventeen to thirteen and a few hundred dollars. <clears throat> Nothing bitter about it at all. Especially after my fantasy teams and all my picks sucked in the NFL this weekend. So could have won a little something there, Tom. But, you know, yeah. So I kind of, what am I trying to say? Hey, are you trying to give us a, a reason to make it better? No, <laughs> no, it's, it is. It's, I mean, it's fun. It's different. You know, the, the, I'm not going to use, I guess, pageantry, not really pageantry, but you know, the, the whole USA thing, I guess I get into a little bit, um, us versus the world kind of thing, but there wasn't any chippiness. Obviously it's, it's never going to be the Ryder cup. Just, it's just not, it's a knockoff yeah. of the Ryder cup. It's just, that's why um, they need to do away with it. Yeah, they it, it's, they do. Um, it's a knockoff. These these international players, I mean, I, I I could count there's what six, seven different countries represented. You know, how are they supposed to gel together when some of these guys barely speak English? Yeah. yeah. You know, and the cultures are so different. I mean, yes, the, the European team is from a bunch of different countries, but the European culture is a little bit more similar than you're talking. You got Corey Connors and Taylor Pender from Canada. You got four Koreans. You got a Colombian. You got Australia. I'm like, what? How are they supposed to gel? And I think Trevor Immelman did a fantastic job. Uh, everything I heard, all the press conferences, all the clips, he seemed like he did an awesome job. He got the guys to fight. I mean, hell, he, he did make it closer. At one point on, on Sunday yesterday, I was watching him like, they could actually make a comeback here. They were like one or two matches away from flipping them where it was going to come down towards the bitter end. And if you didn't see, I think Xander Shoffley basically, not only did he get the clinching point, but he hits his ball in the water on actually 14 and 15, uh, which are typically seven, 17 and 18. Yeah, And he drops his ball on the side of a hill on 15 ball way below his feet in the rough from like 220 gets up and down for par. He hits it to like 12 feet. I'm watching that. I'm like, if he loses this hole, he could lose this match. And now it's ball game. Um, Hideki Matsuyama almost chips in on 18. If that ball goes after I get a terrible break hitting the Marshall and in the kneecap that sends it 10, 15 yards further left behind a tree, essentially at a hit over. He hits the flag stick. If those two matches go differently, you could be like this. Could is be coming down to the last match or two. So, yeah. and I'm gonna I'm gonna 
give I mean all the credit to the players too, but Trevor Rimmelman, he and kind of must have inspired these guys and be like, hey, you know, you got nothing to lose. And if it was me, it was won't happen because if it was me, I would the international team, I would make him captain again. We've seen a lot of repeat captains over the years, but the next President's Cup is in Canada, and I'd have to believe Mike Weir will be the captain. He's been a, a vice captain on this thing multiple times. So I mean, the 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 other part of this here is and this is gonna sound pretty harsh and and maybe kind of like an asshole, but <clears throat> if the best person that you can find to be the captain is Trevor uh, Trevor Immelman, then the, the, the then the must the pool's not that, that deep, you know, in terms of the these great players. And then nothing against Trevor Immelman. Sure. He was won the Masters, but his I mean, he didn't he didn't really play that long on tour. Mm-mm. He was got out of there pretty quick. I mean, he's not a household name. I, it's like, well, I don't know. Again, I know it's I, I, I think it's going to probably sound. I mean, I, it sounds like he did a great job. And if he did do a great job, then they'll probably ask him back, which is fair. But I mean, the initial, hey, Trevor Emmerman, you're going to be our President's Cup captain and, and for the international team. And you're like, what? If he was that's, not, that's the best that you guys can. Pull from, you know, if, not, if not he had not, but <clears throat> sorry, Jay, if he had not become an, an, I'm sorry, if he had not become an announcer, sure, I think that we would not, we would not remember Trevor, unfortunately. I mean, we, we would, but the average player, I think, would have not necessarily forgotten about him. But when you hear, oh, I forgot he won the Masters, it would have been one of those. It would have been one of those. He's and he is not, a and he is a good a good announcer. He's a good analyst. Great announcer, great analyst. Um, I think he does a great job in the booth. But I totally agree with you on that. I mean, I think without that, he, I don't want to say probably would not have been. Well, he 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 kept himself relevant by being. He an did. Announcer. He kept himself relevant and kept himself in the spotlight by doing that. Normally, it does go to someone with a similar resume to his normally look for a major winner that played on a couple of teams it's still um, close enough in age where they can relate but, to the players and connect well oh, i think he is still he normally is. someone who's still on tour someone who's still <clears throat> playing, even though they're in their later years and they're a la davis love the third yeah you know that guy has he won one major pj championship in 1997 at wingfoot and he had a long tenured career over 20 wins uh, I think he's at 21 wins, if I'm not mistaken. But their careers, Davis ab- absolutely won more, but he stayed on tour the whole time. And that's the one thing that stuck out to me a little bit. You normally don't see guys that were out there for a brief stint and then disappear, even though he's got his major and a couple of wins. Then I think it probably came down to the fact that he, like like we said, he is still announcing. He is still at almost every PGA Tour event. So he, he does still connect with the players because he sees them and he'll do occasional interview. Not a, he doesn't really do any interviews, but he still checks in with some of the players. And yeah, caddies. you know, he's walking the range. He's in the locker Walking the range. He's hey, in the what's locker. What's going on? Yeah. You, you'd have to think, obviously, so I think Weird will get it for them in Canada. You'd have to think Jeff Ogilvy at some point is going to get it for them. Played on a number of teams, was a vice captain this year, major winner, you know. Um, and there's another guy who's been – out of the loop out of it. for a long time, like nothing. You haven't seen that guy for ten years. He so he's he actually played in a couple of events mm-hmm. this year, um, which I'm not sure why. That is kind of a, a me for a bone to pick with the PJ Tour is like why is Jeff Ogilvy still getting into golf events? Um, hell, I think Ogilvy spends more of his time now with the 
architectural de- design firm. We started to design golf courses and renovations and that kind of stuff. So, um, so he's even further out of the game than Immelman has been, but he is probably a bigger name just because he's been around longer with a little more success than Immelman had as a player. I'm not sure how many PJ tour wins Ogilvy has, but um, just felt like he was, he's probably played on more teams. I think Immelman only played on two president's cup teams. It wasn't like he was a six time president's cup team member. He only played on yeah. two. So yeah. um, not to get too far off topic, which would be really weird for us, but um, <laughs> we, my, my son played uh, a little tournament at uh, Belmont uh, yesterday it's the first time I'd really been out there to like uh, be on the, on the grounds there. I, when it, they were doing the regrassing, I went out there and looked at it quickly, but um, yeah, that's a Davis love redesign. It's a mm-hmm. tilling Hest initial design redesigned by Donald Ross in 1927. And then uh, another redesigned by Davis love in 2020, I guess it was. Um, and then obviously completely redid it, chopped off six holes made, a par three course. Um, <clears throat> and I still think it's weird. I, I'm, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I was out there and I, the buzz was weird. It was like, I didn't know where to go. I was like, what are we playing? We we ended up playing the par three course, which is a fine little course. Um, I mean, it looked like they did a, uh, and made a valiant effort to make it nice. Uh, and it's, you know, I know they're on a limited budget, so I get it. Sorry, I missed Where is this? This is a Belmont golf course in Richmond. It's a, it was, it's in a, it's a telling us design originally, and then redesigned by Donald Ross. Those two guys put their hands on this golf course. And then two years ago, they decided to chop off six of those holes and put a par three and a range in. So there's a 12 hole golf course now with a, a six hole par three course. And a, and a range. So, so their thought for success was to destroy six of Donald Ross and A.W. Tillinghast's creations. That was, that, that was their, that's their that's idea thought. for. That's thought. Um, but again, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be too overly critical of it. Y'all have already, uh, I, my, my opinion, I think Davis Love did a great job, like kind of revitalizing what they kept. Um, the, it does look nice. They did a good job. The bunkers are, are treacherous. You know, they're really tough bunkers. Um, uh, the grass looks good. They did, they did a, they did a good job with what they set out to do. Um, so I'm not going to fault them for that. I think Davis love did. They said, Hey, we're going to make this a 12 hole course and this is how it's going to work. And he, I think he did the best with what he could do. And I, and I get that there, I think their goal is to, to try to bring in some of the youth and make it an easier, quicker way around the golf course. So for that part of it, I do, I'm like, okay, I get it. I see why you try to do that. Um, I like the 12 hole idea, but don't say that to Jay. I do not say that. I to definitely Jay. don't like the 12 hole idea. I, I, I'd love having the par three there in a range. Cause I think kids can get out and they can, they can play it quickly. They can get in, you know, nine holes on the or six holes on the par three course and and well, be done. My and, thought, but it's just I, to me, it's just uh, again. I guess I don't know what the background was. I know it's been 
it's been mismanaged uh, for a long time. And this was, it was either, Hey, we do this or it's gone. So if that was the situation, you know, again, I don't know the, the reasoning behind it. If that was the backstory, then, you know, obviously they had to do what they had to do. It just, I think I'm just more upset that we had a, a Donald Ross and a AW Tilling has design in Richmond hosted the 1949 PJ championship won by Sam Snead hosted the 1945 Richmond invitational won by Ben Hogan. I mean, it, this thing is, it's, it's one of the most his, historic golf courses that we have in the city. And it's like, man, well, this is all, this is, this is what we came up with. Um, I don't know. Again, I'm being hypercritical, but, um, but I, you know, it, yeah, you it, could also be it. critical that they let it get that place in the first place. True. I, I, I agree. And that, and that's kind of what I said earlier. Like, it sounds like this was the last hope to try to keep it around. It was like the city, the Henrika or the County was going to, they're going to sell it for, you know, develop it and put apartments on there. It, it was this or this or nothing. So if that's the way it was, then that's fine. And it, and it is benefiting the kids. It sounds like kids like coming out there for the short, the short courses. Um, and that's, and I, I guess in, in my opinion, that's a good thing. If you, the one positive that's come out of it, it just is a bummer that you had, so much history there, you know, in that locker room, which is now not even part of the golf course, it's like a rec center or something like that, or an event center. And like, you know, you get all these guys in that locker room, you know, I mean, in that clubhouse, I mean, that's cool. I mean, there's not a whole lot of places in, in the city of Richmond that can say that. And this is one of them. But, a lot of places in the United States can say yeah. that. But I, I, yeah. and, and touching on what I mentioned a second ago, I like the idea of a 12 hole golf course or um, something shorter, eight hole golf course, something like that, that it's, it's more of a, an opportunity for new players to come out and, and get their feet wet a little bit, have that developmental piece of property where they can go out and try a little differently. I don't necessarily know it needs to be on a, a Ross Tillinghask. Uh, that, that would certainly, I would never agree that they need to, to destroy any of that piece of property. But at the end of the day, I, I like the different approach. I think there is, I've, I've had a, a thought for a long time. There's a, there's opportunity for even something that's a almost, it's, it's kind of a recreational space, but it's, it's more of a, a restaurant bar and a six hole golf course and driving range. That it's literally just, hey, come hang out for a couple of hours, get a couple yeah. of swings in, hit a couple of balls, play a couple of holes. Maybe you play three holes and, you know, have lunch and you know, head back to work or, or something of that nature. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I've I've certainly had thoughts that it could it could be a unique facility on a shortened golf course, not not to take the place of a real golf course or a, a you know championship course, if you will, um, and certainly never to destroy telling Aston Ross designs that, that I can never get behind. But so why would, why, why, again, I don't, I know this isn't really on topic, but it just, it was just so convenient that we were talking about Davis love and, and, um, but anyway, why, why 12 instead of just nine, you know, it's, it's, it's so common to say, uh, to see nine hole golf course and you get out and play nine holes, but why, why give it those extra three when, Maybe you could have made three more or par three courses, had a nine hole par three course and a nine hole traditional course. Like I, I don't, I, maybe that's me being the traditionalist and the fact that that course has got so many, so much tradition, you know, why would we want to ruin that? So to speak. 
I think the goal is to shorten the time to play the front or the back. I think that's where someone could go out and play six holes. I, I think, honestly, if it were me, it would be a 10 or eight holes. I wouldn't take all the way to 12 because you're not really taking that much time off of it. You know, you're saving an hour yeah. where if you're going to go ahead and shorten it, let's, let's make it, you know, like I said, a six hole, eight hole, even at the most 10 holes, but to where it's, it's almost a, God, you could almost make it a, a badass instructional facility where you could yeah. go out and hit real life shots. People can still go play, but you hit real life shots. You go to the range, you go out there, hit real life shots. You got people that come into a, a nice little restaurant bar area that's open to everyone. I mean, there's there's opportunities to engage people with the brand similar to the way Top Golf has that come in non traditional, yeah, non traditional forms of revenue or forms of generating customers, for you know, lack of a better description. Um, or something similar to like uh sheep ranch out in Bannon and originally where there were, were real, no real holes, just like a couple, you had like 10 different greens out there and you could, you know, a bunch of different tiering, teeing areas and you just kind of played wherever you, wherever you wanted. You or know? even, um, Sweeten's Cove. Yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah. I think there's, there's some opportunities out there for a different style of golf these days. And I think some of them are really cool. They've relaxed the sport in certain atmospheres to where you can go kind of do your thing. And what we're seeing at some of the highest end golf clubs is the most relaxed atmospheres. It's, it's kind of yeah. odd. It's a, it's a, it's just a different day and age. I still love all the tradition and everything that the sport is. It's what my relationship with this game was built off of. But now I see it in ways that we have new opportunities to really introduce new people to the game and also make the game a little bit more fun. Not quite as much of an elitist sport to where you have to, you know, be a certain person to to even be involved with the game. And it's not to say that's always been the truth, but that's been the perception. Now we have the opportunity that we are making it more attractive for people who haven't traditionally been involved in golf to get involved in golf. And I think these are some of the initiatives that are allowing that and really kind of progressing that movement. Well, and no, I, I agree. I think it's, you know, times are changing and you want to get ahead of it. Um, But needless to say, I know we, we don't need to talk about it too much longer, but I I did want to give credit to the, to uh, I guess it's still, it's officially, run by the first tee. Is that right, Mike? It's part yeah, of the first Hen- tee of Richmond. Henrico Hen- County still owns it. But the but first tee has a, had a hand in all of the but work. The first tee raised all the money to do the renovations. Yeah. They now, I don't know if they, they rent it or lease it or what yeah. from the county, but they're the ones that put all the money into it, uh, raise all yeah. the money to, to make the changes there and bring in Davis Love. Yeah. Uh, so it's a first tee operation, even though they don't directly own it. I'm pretty sure the county yeah. still owns it. And I think we've said on this golf course, I, on this golf course, on this podcast, um, I I understand where you're coming from. I, especially, I, I definitely get the whole thing of uh, like just ruining a, a tailing house and, and um, Ross design. I'm okay with the outside of the box, non traditional avenues um, to get people into the game of golf and then turn them over to, you know, a traditional 18 hole golf course. And if it can get, or if it's a place for people on the downside of their golfing career where an old guy just can't play 18 holes of golf anymore, but he wants a little more, he can go play 12. If he just runs out of steam after 12 holes. Great. Or 
Um, kids don't have enough energy to play 18 holes, but you know, they have enough time for 12. I don't know. It's, it's different. I'm okay with it. It is different. Um, Um, I think it gives, it gives people, you know, the, the, the players in Richmond who don't have the, the money, the means to be a member at a private club, it gives them a, a nicer place to practice too. It's It's a nicer range. It's a nicer putting green. It's just a nicer facility. I think we're actually lacking in the Richmond market with nice public access. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of nice private clubs in Richmond, but the public uh, access golf courses leave a bit to be, um, you know, desired there. And so I, you know, and I, I wanted to kind of finish that thought and kind of what you're saying, Mike, as much as I, I love the, uh, I, I love what they did. I, I love what uh, Davis Love did. I think he did a great job in terms of uh, regrassing the golf course. I love the having a par three course. I love having the nice range. I think they did a great job with that. Um, so everything about the regrassing and and the facility is is nice. Uh, I just still it just still doesn't make any sense why twelve holes. That's that's really my only my that's only, only hold up with it. Yeah, that, that's and, and like I said, if you're gonna if you're gonna kind of take away the history of that golf course over a hundred years, um, then that's my only issue. It's like if you're gonna take it away, then you know it, get, keep some of the tradition, keep nine holes, so people can say, "Hey, I, I've played this nine holes. They got rid of the other nine, but I played this nine, um, and they've got now a par three. That was really that's really and still is really my only issue with it because after being out there, they did they did a good job and it looks nice and uh, like I said that. The regrass is, is was done really well, but um, I still just don't. I, I know they were trying to make do something different, think outside the box, and I I, I credit them for that by trying it. Um, still, just you know, I, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, considering the history that that was there. But needless to say, it's it's it is nice. They did a good job with it. Um, One thing I think that's really unique, and I think that all of us will agree on this is. A facility like that, especially with the par three course and then going into a shortened course, is probably the best way to bring our kids up and introduce them to the game in a non-intimidating atmosphere. Something that's really more made to their size. I mean, especially starting off with the par three course for the little ones and they can play it like a full course, obviously. Yeah. And that is something that. To to a one form or fashion at different times, you know, all of us have been fortunate enough to be able to provide for our kids. Um, I don't really have a great place down here that I've latched onto yet where I've, I don't play as much golf with Bo as I would like to, but having an opportunity or a facility like that to where we could go out there and it's, it's a better introduction to the game is attractive to me. I think that's awesome that yeah. there still exists. I, again, I, I will never disagree with destroying it till he asks for us. I will, I will just recertify my feelings there, but um, but the the goal behind it, if their goal was, I think the par three alone, um, just having the the facility, having a range, having a a big putting green, having a little chipping green, and then having the the shorter par three course, it is a lot a lot easier to introduce the game to to those kids. Um, and that part of it, I do think, is great because um, I could if I lived near that place, I could easily see myself going out with my two boys and we could zip around a six hole, you know, par three course um, and they could get some swings in um, and it would be fun. Kind of it's a it's a good segue to learning how to play golf on a big golf course. Um, 
you know, just, just hitting irons off tees and so forth. So, but yeah. And I don't know, anyway. it's, it's, it's a little better than, I don't know, maybe a public place charging someone to use the putting green. Not sure yeah. if that exists in town or not, but um, I would just hypothetically say that's a much better option than going to a place that charges to use the putting green. Yeah. Um, I'll say that there's another sounds like it is a thing. Another tip mm-hmm. of the cap to Belmont there and the fine folks uh, of the first tee, Brent Go Schneider, out. Mark Lynch, yeah. Olivia Bowling there. Uh, they do a great yeah. job. So are we just, we're going to breeze right past that. Cause now I need to know more. There's, there's a public access facility in the greater Richmond area that is supposedly one of the best that charges people to use the putting green. Is it the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. The one you're thinking of. It's off Huguenot trail, right? I, I don't have to check on my map, but um, <laughs> that's all I'll say. That's um, cool. that's and I know this problem. is coming from a golf professional at a um, private club, but still, um, Sorry, that was just a something a little just little bone I had to pick there for a second. Just, um, but no, you're right with the kudos to uh, to Brent and the first tee. You know, for uh, it, it it is a nice it is a nice well done, like I said, organized facility. Uh, and it, it certainly gives some of the kids in the area a great opportunity to get um, an introduction to the game without staying out there for four hours, you know, if they go out and play the par three course, it is, it is good. So, um, that part is, is the really nice. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm hopefully it's, it continues to be successful and they, they can keep it around. So anyway, we'll see. Um, let's, uh, let's get back into the president's cup a little bit here. That was a nice little, little, little detour, little detour. There you go. Good work. Um, Little break. I, I wanted to tip a cap to a couple of these internationals. We we can spend enough time on the U.S. team, and, and we'll. I want to get to them in a minute here. But a couple of guys in the national team that thoroughly impressed me. Number one, obviously, if if anyone watched any of it, is Tom Kim. I am a huge Tom Kim fan now. This twenty-year-old kid wins his first PJ Tour event this summer, gets on the Presidents Cup team, and just stole the show. He is just fun to watch. He's his interviews are great. He's just happy. He's run around all over the place out there. He's hooting and hollering. He just got some energy. He doesn't seem to be afraid of the moment. And if you didn't walk away from the President's Cup without being a Tom Kim fan, then I don't you, you weren't watching enough because the guy was <laughs> the guy was great. He was awesome. And I'm glad he's a PGA Tour member now and we get to watch more and more of him. He needs to hit the ball a little bit further. I think we talked about that when he won a few weeks ago, but the kid can putt and yeah, it was, it was fun to watch. He He can can, putt. Yeah. He can putt except four foot on the last hole to help you win your. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, I still love the kid, even though he cost me a couple hundred dollars. Um, he didn't cost me a couple hundred dollars. I would have won a couple hundred dollars, but so yeah. And I, I, another guy, you know, we, we've talked about how, maligned this team was last week with the live defectors and you know how far down they had to go to to fill out their squad and some guys i'm like man what is he doing on the on the team what what is sebastian munoz doing (laughs) on the team he played his ass off he was one of the best players for the international squad 
took down the world number one yesterday in singles. The guy makes a boatload of birdies. He was not scared of the moment. I think Immelman actually messed up and should have played him more matches. I think he only played him three matches. He didn't lose. I believe he was 2-0-1. Got two and a half of the possible three points. I think he should have played him a little bit more and just kind of rided the hot hand. And yeah, so I have to I have to give to those two guys, especially, you know, captain's picks. Nobody knows who they really are. Tom Kim's 20 years old. Sebastian Munoz is just, you know, it could be anyone on the PGA tour. And yeah, they showed out. Um, Corey Connors, on the other hand, did not. He played awful. And he is not only is that he played poorly, he's a bad putter. He putted even worse than I've ever seen him putt. I mean, every time I walked up to the screen and Corey Connors had a putt to win a hole or tie the hole, he missed it. I'm not sure he made a single putt all week. I'm not sure he grabbed a single ball out of the hole all weekend. It was, and I love Corey Connors. I pick him a lot in, in DraftKings. He's like the classic ball striker on the PGA Tour. He's going to make a lot of cuts. He's going to make a bunch of top 20s. But, I but don't this, know. this format, this match play, predominantly match play format, this is the, the putters. They, they kind of, they really do rule the, rule the roost here uh those are the guys who are usually the most successful in in this match play format the guys who make those tough clutch you know under pressure putts yeah and there's not a whole lot of them that are great ball strikers and great putters you know i mean those are your top players in the world um and that's probably why he is you know not one of the top players in the world is because he just has never been able to figure it out you know the putting side of things to be a great putter um, cause yeah. he is a great, he is a great ball striker. Great, great driver of the golf ball. I mean, really T to green. He's incredible. Yeah, he's great. He's probably one of the, I probably top 20, you know, T to green guys out there, but when he, he's, yeah. he's lost on the greens. And so, yeah, that was, that was tough to watch. Cause I do like, I do like Corey Connors, but KH Lee played well. Actually, all the, all the Koreans played well. Sung Jm played really well. Um, just didn't, they didn't get what Cam Davis was the Australian that played the best over Adam Scott. Didn't play great. Uh, Cam Davis showed out with a couple of big, big points, big wins. So, you know, kudos for those guys to, to you know, fighting and keeping it somewhat, somewhat interesting um, through the early afternoon on, on Sunday. But um, I think this United States team, and I think I said it last week, they're going to go on a run here in these team events. I'm feeling it. They're going to win next year, the Ryder Cup. I'm calling it right now. They're going to win on European soil in Italy. They haven't won a road Ryder Cup since 1993. No way. Is it really that bad? The year Jordan Spieth was born. That's insane. So next year, this team might not. I mean, the way this is trending with these guys, because you're probably going to have Zalatoris next year because he's hurt this year. And there's usually a couple guys that have turnover. You might not have a guy on this squad next year that was alive the last time the United States <laughs> won in Europe. That's insane. I, I didn't realize it was that bad. I thought for sure we won somewhere along the line, but you're right. I, I can't think of one. I'm looking at the Belfry. Yeah, was that the Belfry? Yeah. 93? And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think we are set up for success finally. You know, we, I feel like we now have that thing that the Europeans always had where these guys legitimately like each other, love each other. They're all 
best friends out there. They, you know, that's what you used to say about the Europeans. Oh, they like each other more. They're friends. They care about each other more. You know, they hang out with each other off the golf course where the Americans just kind of show up and have to get forced into this team thing. Where camaraderie with the guys that left. Say that again. I think there's better camaraderie now within the group that's left because of the guys that left. Oh, well, yeah, you get the malcontents. The, no one wants to be friends with Patrick Reed. Nobody wants to be friends, yeah. be friends with Bryson DeChambeau. Nobody wants to be friends with Brooks Kepka. you know? And so now these guys are like, oh, man, all those idiots are gone. This is actually fun to hang out with these guys. But but generally, you also have like best friends on the team. You have JT and Spieth are best friends. Xander and Cantley are best friends. Sam Burns and Scheffler are best friends like off the field, off the course for years. And so, and they're also a little bit more laid back. They're more fun. They're not as stiff and uptight as they used to, the Americans used to be, you know, used to say, oh, I'd rather go have a beer with the European team. You know, I'd rather go have a beer with the Darren Clarks of the world and, and those guys. Um, I'd like to have a beer with a lot of these, with a lot of these Americans now. I think we have what we've been striving for, for years and what we've kind of envied in the, in the European squad. Cause I mean, let's be honest, like the Hal Suttons, the Jim Furyks, the Matt Kuchers, the, you know, Phil and Tiger. None of these guys were really that close and they're not, well, they weren't yeah. that interesting. They didn't have, you know what I mean? Phil and Tiger, fire. They, Phil and Tiger were more very individualistic, you know, with, with their approach. And then they really looked at this as an exhibition. It was like, Hey, I'm just going to do this because everybody says I need to, but I'm more concerned with what, what I'm going to do on my, for my schedule. I don't know. Jim Furyk, I'd take Jim Furyk still. I, I would take Jim Furyk, but he's just kind <clears> of a he I'm just that was maybe more from a a personality standpoint. He's a great he's golfer, a but he, dog. he didn't show it on the course. He just oh, wasn't, yeah. you know, no one ever showed any emotion. These guys are showing yeah. a little more emotion and um showing a little more passion. Not to say that Jim Furyk didn't have the passion, but it just didn't come out on a TV screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it it did during the during the team matches, Ryder Cup matches. You'd see him get fired up, but but no, I see where you're going. Most of most of them in the past weren't really like that. Yeah, like the David Duvalls. Like, although uh, it's hard to see it because we were losing. True. That's a, <laughs> look that's at a good, look yeah, at all the emotion they had in '99 at Brookline. That's a good point. You that's know, that's valid. It's hard to have that emotion when you're losing every time. <laughs> But again, a lot of that stemmed from more of those individuals. You know, you had Phil Mickelson is all about Phil Mickelson. And and I hate to say it, I think in the past, Tiger Woods was all about Tiger Woods. Oh, 100%. Um, and, and I think he's that 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 tone has been lightened now. But when he was in his heyday, they, they, how, how do you get close to the greatest athlete on the planet? You know, it's like they wanted to get close to him. He didn't really want anybody to get close to him. So it was like, eh, all right, yeah, we'll team up. but. You know, you didn't really create any real strong connection. Um, it was hard to because he didn't, he had his guard up all the time. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right there. Absolutely. But we'll, so, we'll, we'll, I think we'll, there's no doubt whether or not Tiger's the next Ryder Cup captain. After, yeah. after Zach. Yeah. But I think it's a formality. I mean, it's, it's always been we're going to give it to him as soon as we, he's, we've, we've, well, feeling he might not make the team. It's probably more of Tiger. When do you want it? Uh, I, I yeah. guarantee there's some of that too. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think, but even including that, I think now Tiger is probably at a standpoint where he has to 
has probably had to come to grips with the fact that I'm probably never going to qualify again. Yeah. So now I need to go ahead and, you know, take over as my captaincy and, you know, let's, that'll be another interesting thing to, to see because exactly what you were just saying, Jay, he is someone who's always been kind of a loner amongst the players to a certain degree, you know, only late in his career has he developed relationships with guys like Justin to where he, he actually hangs out with guys and has that, relationship before then he was always untouchable and that was the that was the guard up he wanted to have he wanted to yeah. see touchable i think that played into part of his mind games that he played with the field yeah uh, not to say that his physical wasn't there by no means i'm not trying to you know ne- negate anything that he did physically but i think it's it's a mere formality he has accepted the fact that he's never going to qualify and his leg is obviously going to deter him from ever being competitive without a golf cart and I, I truly think he does play the, the senior tour <laughs> and ride that golf cart and, and win some cash. I truly, I just think his competitive nature gives, this gives him a chance to go compete a little bit, collect some trophies, be in the spotlight some more. And that will obviously reinvigorate the champions tour. I mean, I can't wait to see what their, uh, you know, their revenue looks like once tiger starts seeing it up, because as we all know, he does move the needle. And if he's winning, I can promise you the viewership will be there. Um, uh, Nona Begay actually had an interview in the last week or so with the Golf Channel, and he kind of intimated that Tiger's going to play the Champions Tour when he gets there. But so we'll see on that. Um, all right. So this might be a dumb question. You know, you see a lot of these and hear a lot of this stuff. Oh, let's grade all the players. We're not going to grade all the players, but. Who would you rate as the team MVP for the U.S.? Jordan Spieth. Yeah, I was going to say Jordan or Justin. Justin lost his singles match. That sucks, yeah. Which is the only reason why I'm giving a nod to Jordan, because he won five points. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to give it. Because he's the obvious choice. When you go 5-0, it's hard to not be the MVP. That's my my point. I'm going to give it a Max Homa. Okay. We all know I love Max Homa. I was going to say big, big Homa guy. I professed my love last week for Max Homa. So the reason I choose Max, he went four and zero, and he exceeded expectations. He's a rookie, never played in a cup team before. Had just come off an emotional week where he just went back to back at the forty net. He was the only. U.S. team member, I believe, that was in that field that played the week before because he was defending champion. I'm assuming he wouldn't have played leading into the President's Cup if he wasn't the defending champ. You know, you never know how a rookie is going to handle all the pressure. We've seen countless ones over the years just kind of fold and gag and not ready for the moment. But he goes 4-0. He won every match he got asked to play, right? So... He didn't lose. He didn't lose a match. He just sat out one because of a captain's decision, and he had one of the best moments of the week. The putt he made to win the match Friday afternoon. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go. Max Homa is the team MVP because you kind of expect you expect Spieth to be one of your stalwarts. I mean, he's the most decorated winner they have on the team who has played on the most Cup teams. You expect Spieth to to do really well. So I'm going to go Homa. He played his ass off. He played really well. 
He beats Tom Kim, you know, their stud, essentially their, their superstar on Sunday. He beats Tom Kim in the singles, takes him down their, their energy. So I'll go Max Homa as the, uh, the team MVP. That's fair. Let's just that. just to have another person. How about how about on the opposite end? Who was your big surprise? Because I've got one, even though the course didn't set up for him. But Kevin Kisner, he played bad. He just just didn't course get is it too done. big for him. Course is too big for him, and and I get that. But you you would just think with the dog he has in him, I just thought we would see more. Find a way. I I also blame a little bit of love on that. Because he didn't play him twice well, in, in the, the thing, format where he should be played. Well, the thing is, he didn't play him in the foursomes, which is where I think you play him. You pair him with a bomber where he has shorter Kisner's irons, shorter irons into the green, or even, yeah, he hits the ball shorter off a tee. And then Finau doesn't, he's not going to have as much of a disadvantage because he hits his irons way longer. But then you have Kisner putting on half the holes. I don't know why they played Kisner in the four ball matchups. He played both four ball sessions. If it was me, I would have put him in the foursomes sessions with one of the bombers. Absolutely. Um, That I think is almost, I think that's more of a second guess for love, but Kisner's not a course fit there. And like we talked about last week, that last spot, or maybe it was a few weeks ago when they made the picks, that last spot was awkward. Who was it? It was like JT Poston and Tom Hoagie and, yeah, some and of those guys that were up there as, as another potential captain's pick. But my second guess with Kisner, I was surprised that he didn't really factor in this one bit. I would have played him in foursomes, not four ball. Uh, I agree. I also think he potentially jeopardized his chance towards future captain's picks if he doesn't earn his spot. But I hate that because I'm a huge Kevin Kisner fan. Well, it depends on the course. You know, you could, I don't know what, um, I don't think. Marco Simone tight international team competition showing up soon. Well, so I don't know. I mean, hell, um, the the France course they had in the Ryder Cup a couple of years ago was a little bit shorter and tighter. La Golf National, uh, where Patrick Reed just missed a cut, by the way, uh, this past weekend. In case you're wondering, um, what was the name of the course again? La Golf National. I just I just like hearing you say it. I'm not even sure I get that right, but. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know what rolls off your tongue. That's right. I don't know what Marco Simone, the golf courses are going to play in Italy next year for the Ryder Cup. I don't know anything about that, even though they just played it last week uh, on the European tour. So he could be a better course fit on some of those European venues. But I mean, put it this way in the, in the American venues that these guys are playing now, they're all 73, 7,400, 7,500 yards. He might never be a course fit again in a United States venue. Yeah, Yeah. That's my point. So, I mean, you got to, you can age out quickly. Kevin's our age. So yeah. it's not like he has more length. He's not going to keep hanging on to that length, but for so long. And he's already on the shorter end. Did you did you catch his hot hot mic moment yesterday? So during the little quick closing ceremonies, the international oh, yeah, teams like coming, coming through the line, shaking hands, like you know, the old good game butt slap kind of thing you see in other sports. And he goes to Kisner goes to KH Lee. He goes, KH, you're the most, uh, you're the best looking man in America right now, or something like that. And then see what Kim goes up and he goes, You're the ugliest motherfucker right here. <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines. And I'm like, Oh, it's just typical Kisner. It's just 
I mean, Sibu died laughing. There wasn't like it was no hard feelings. Well, Kisner did too. No, they they were they just, both just you know, started dying laughing. They were just yeah, fucking around. But uh, Scotty Scheffler got to be a biggest disappointment, right? Especially wow. when I how about I, losing that match yesterday? You know, I mean, he doesn't oh three and one, the number one player in the world, playing with his best friend. He actually held back Sam Burns. If you look at how Sam Burns played and how he played in the four ball, Sam Burns was making a bunch of putts and Scotty just was not helping him. Scotty ate a cold shank. I forget which that day was, that was. That was rough. Yeah, that I don't was know if that was uh, Thursday or Friday. That was when your feet was moved that much. It may have been Saturday. Was it Saturday? Yeah. When your feet move that much, it's easy to get that hosel close to the golf ball. I mean, you talk about timing being a premium. You know what's funny though about that? Like you watch you watch that swing. At least it's like I feel like every time I uh, I see something like that, this it makes me think of Nick Faldo when he was commentating. Like a guy would make a swing, number one player in the world, beats everybody's brains in, swinging great for the last year and a half, makes one bad swing and hits it and shanks it. And then here comes Nick Faldo. Oh, well, look at – oh, you can see why he shanked it. Look at this. Look at what he does here on in this part of his swing. And I'm like, none of that is relevant. It looks exactly the same as every other swing he's made. He just, whatever reason, got the hosel a little closer to the ball than normal. But, like, it's just – I don't know. It just blows my mind. How they, they're just trying to fill fill time and fill – Yeah, they're – I feel like and they have to they have to give a reason. They feel like they have to give a reason, but it's like, you know what? Oh, he just made a bad swing and shanked it. You know, it was just shit happens. But of course, they're going to analyze, you know, everything about his swing as to why he shanked that one. And you go watch the next swing. He does everything exactly the same. He flushes it to three feet. And I'm like, well, wait a second. I thought you said because his foot slid and he does this, he, sh- he should shank it every time. And then now he's hitting it to two feet. Um. But I, they they kind of they didn't comment on it too much when he shanked it. They were just like, "Whoa!" Uh, <laughs> they were the commentators yeah. went all. They're like, "Oh, that's not good." So yeah, I was shocked that he played that bad because he had a really good Ryder Cup last year. Then he goes on this tear this year, becomes number one player in the world, and it really hurt my DraftKings fantasy team because he was my captain getting a point and a half and. <laughs> hurt, yeah, that was a close match this week. Hurt badly as McLean just wiped the floor with us. Yeah, that was not close at all. You I've got a recap here if you'd like to go over it. No, we're good. Thanks. We just gave you props. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> we gave we gave you props. We don't need to hear. We don't need to hear a breakdown. All right, fine. Uh, you don't want to pay your cart fee? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was good. I mean, Xander and Cantley, they're just a tough, tough matchup. Like if I would, if I'm an opponent for either Europeans or internationals, and I get Put up against those two, I'm just like fuck. What about <laughs> Justin and Jordan? I know they're. I mean, they're yeah, they're really good too. Even though I mean, they didn't. So here's the thing: I watched, I watched a lot of Thursday and a lot of Sunday, and then caught bits and pieces Friday, Saturday. The internationals kind of gave it away on Thursday because none of the teams played great. Jordan and JT did not play great. Scotty and Sam did not play great. It was, and they, they won four, one, like that was the time to get them. I mean, they easily could have won that session and been like, Oh, here we go. This. Right. Instead yeah. they get just boat raced four one in that, in that first session. And um, JT like 
he like almost whiffed a bunker shot that he hit way off the toe on Thursday. Jordan puts one off the green on one hole, and the the internationals just couldn't couldn't capitalize on Thursday when they had a chance to get off to a good start. They they caught the Americans sleeping a little bit in the opening session, and that's where they almost kind of like, oh shit, boys, that was our chance right there. Yeah, I'd love to see Quail Hollow host a Ryder Cup. I know it's a little bit off topic for where we just were, but I'm just sitting here thinking about it. I, I just think it's such a good, I just think it'd be a great venue for a better field in a similar format. I'm not crazy about Quail Hollow. I, I'm not either, but I liked it in match play. Well, the, the I think the one issue that, that I had was, and I understand they rerouted the, the golf course because they thought it would be better for the viewership and the holes finishing on the, down the stretch and um but I, I, that always kind of loses its luster a little bit when it say it is a, a course that's a staple on tour for however many years and you know that the green mile or whatever they call it you know is that what they call it yeah the 16 15 16 17 18 or six, 16 17 18 16 17 18 and it's like oh wait now that's moved that's not the last three holes anymore and now it's it's hard to kind of i when i when i saw the uh, the coverage and they were showing 17 and 18. I was like, Oh man, this is the end of the match. And I was like, Oh wait, no, this is not the end of the match. This is 15 or this is 14. It's like, ah, that, that's confusing yeah. when they do well, that. It definitely, it definitely backfires when events go the full distance. Yeah. Especially because the, the holes they were playing at 17 and 18 were as boring as can be. Yeah. Yeah. Xander to clinch the last point, hits a feather wedge in there to a foot and a half or three feet. And clinch it. Well, yeah. that was his. That was his third shot. He had to lay up. I, like I said, I did not see much of it. <laughs> it was a it was a par four. He had to lay up. That's right. I, he I sniped I his tee ball about. into the trees. I turned it on and watched him hit that shot and saw that there was one point left and went back to NFL. I just yeah. just being brutally honest, but um, I know what hole we're talking about now. But regardless, I think it's normally uh, it not. doesn't offer the same amount of drama that you would like to see in an, in a match that goes the full distance, you know, especially if you get down to a clinching point or whatever it is. And, and it's like, you want that to finish up on the course's pinnacle, which for quail hollow is 18 without question yeah. holds an animel, an absolute beast. Yeah. On well, same with 17. I mean, you get 200 something animal. yard par three over water green surrounded green. by water. Like you go to a all square match, like you want to see these guys nut up and hit that shot. Yeah. So I think I would have preferred them keep it in the normal, normal routing. So, yeah. and they like that. What's that? I guess the normal, is it the normal par five? That's 15. That was in a different spot. I barely even saw that on the TV coverage. Like, I don't know where I, they moved that. Like, I thought I that, was, even, that was a cool par five. I didn't even recognize, like, they, it was all over the place. So it's like, okay, I know the name Quail Hollow, but, like, all these holes are, like, they had different numbers attached to them. And it just, it was weird. It's hard to follow. I didn't, I wasn't a fan of that. Yeah. So I was like, while it may be, I guess, better opportunity for the U.S. to win based on the routing, and that's something that that Davis Love and and they all worked out, but. As a fan, like on TV, it was like, oh, I know Quail Hollow, and this isn't Quail Hollow. This is something else. Well, and I think they tried to dramatize the where they thought the events or the matches would end up ending 
but I think it almost offered drama in the wrong sense to where it helped extend the matches. Yeah. You saw some yeah. events going the distance. Yeah. A decent amount of them. Yeah. I want to, I want to try to find a stat. I'm not going to do it right now. I would love to know how many events or how many of matches went to 17 and 18 just to see how many would have gone there anyways. I felt like a decent amount of matches went that long. It wasn't like a ton of the five and four, six and five blowouts. All right. So yesterday, just running down the board real quick, Siwoo and Justin one up on 18. Cam Davis and Jordan Spieth, Jordan won four and three. So closed out at 15. They never got to, they would never have gotten to the green mile. Um, Hideki and Sam Burns tied, went to 18. So nine of, Nine of the, I just counted, nine of the 12 would have gotten to 17. Well, if you want to just, you know, cut me off and make it quicker, great job. Yeah, that's what I was exactly what I was doing. (laughs) Well done. Well executed. (laughs) Nine of the 12 would have gotten to at least 17. So you don't get eight, you might not get 18 in all of them, but you're still going to get 16, which is a bear. 17, tough. I feel like that's half the drama you want to lead up to. Like, can't wait to see what events get to this 18th hole. Yeah. Especially when it, it's that 18th hole. You had five go to 18 yesterday. So I don't know about the rest of the, the matches, but just taking yesterday. I don't know. I don't know. I, where's it? I don't even know where it's going in a couple of years. We're back in. Back in the states, I know it's go to Royal. I'll Royal, take U.S. Canada. Yeah, I'll take the U.S. for a while until somebody stops them. I'm going to put money on them right now for the Ryder Cup next year. Yeah, can we just no? I, yeah, Ryder Cup next year. Can we go ahead and get those odds? <clears throat> yeah. So, all right. Any more takes on the Presidents Cup? Like I said, I enjoyed it. it. You know, I knew what I was getting into watching it this weekend. I knew it was going to be a blowout, but it's something, something a little bit different. And you like the passion to see these guys, you know, that just don't ever show passion, start to show passion, you know, Scotty yeah. Scheffler fist pumps. Like, when do you see that happen? Never, <laughs> never, you know? And so just seeing something a little bit different, learning more about some of these guys, personalities, especially the international guys. Like I said, I think Tom Kim is a new star. You need to keep an eye out for him. And Max Homer just validated everything I said about him last week. So let's um, let's get into a great one since we're talking about good golf events. A great one. The Sanderson Farms this week is fucking abysmal. <laughs> Sam Burns is playing. Sam Burns is playing. I can't. There's a, there's a good handful of guys, uh, a handful of international guys playing. Man, I mean, I don't know. I think I'd be fucking exhausted if I was those guys yeah. after that week. And then go to Jackson, Mississippi? Oh. Whoa. Sounds so fun. That sounds awful. Hot and humid. Oh. Do they even have water down there? <laughs> I think I'm, they do. That's a, not that facetious of a question right now. If you've think- been following anything of what's going on in Jackson, Mississippi. That's... Good question. <laughs> it is a good question. I'm so pretty sure uh, there is water. All right. So here's here's a. I'm gonna I, I see if you guys are in for this. I'm just gonna spring you guys spring this on you right now live on the air. Uh, a good longtime listener of the podcast, member of the Foundry, Stan Lambert, 
suggested this. I think it's a great idea because we're all competitors and like to compete. Let's have a season-long DraftKings contest. All right, okay. and it, it's a little, it'd be based off of how we finish of the three of us each week. So we'll we'll come up with some sort of point designation, but we'll have a running season long total. We'll even go back. Uh, we'll go back in the results two weeks here. Uh, so we'll give McLean a win for for um, for last week, and then we'll go back to the forty net, and we'll just keep a running tally, and we'll keep the the listeners updated on who who's won the finishing. forty net. I think it was you, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so you're after a good start. We'll give you the credit already. And that was, see, that was me putting a nail in my coffin that I will not win for the rest of the season. <laughs> I did to surf up right then. It's like, there you go. Way to fuck yourself. You know, because we make our <laughs> we make our picks every week, and Stan was right. We make our picks every week, but we never really talk about who did well, who didn't do well on the picks. And this will kind of give us a running tally in season long and see who at the end of the year, is officially the draft king. The draft king. I like it. Maybe, we'll, maybe I'll buy a crown. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the E9 logo on a crown. I like that. So, all right. Who wants to go first for this week? I'm ready. Um, go all, right. Okay. all right. Champ. All right. So, let's see here. Hang on. Pulling it up. All right. Starting off at the top, I think he's going to be coming off uh, a President's Cup snub and ready to prove himself, Mr. JT Poston, 10,200. Moving down from there, a guy who's been hot uh, as of late and has been playing well, looking for him to recover, Mr. Sepp Straka, $8,900. Canadian guy. Really good player. 20 to 25 cuts made, five top tens. Mr. Adam Hadwin at $8,700. Um, moving down to there, guy who I think has been playing really well as of late. I, I hated to see him um, lose the 40 net the way he did, but I think he's going to come back strong with a vengeance. He's got to take a week off. Uh, Mr. Justin Lauer. And was back to him. Good pick. I've also got uh, at $7,400. Adam Savinson. And at rounding out the group, 7,200, lots of experience out there. Jez Reby. Okay. So it's a short hitter, short hitter for my team this week. I was, right. I'll, I'll, I'll fill in. And since mine is the complete opposite, <laughs> um, at 7,500 yards, this course played at uh, roughly two under par around average last year. It was just, well, you look at the scorecard. Maybe I need to read the bombers. The bombers got it done last year. Um, but so I'm I'm going uh, I'm going the big dogs other than maybe one one guy, but uh, he makes up for it in other areas. But I'll start from the bottom. Seventy two hundred. Uh, one of the longest guys on tour. Friend of the pod, Joe Bramlett. Um, and then I jump up to uh, Mister. Is it Dan Burme- Burmeister? Dean Burmeister. Uh, don't know a damn thing about this guy, but <laughs> every everything I read said that he's gonna he's gonna be a good pick. So here we are, seventy six hundred bucks. Um, and then I've got a bunch of middle tiered guys. Uh, Wyndham Clark, another bomber, um, playing some somewhat solid golf. 
Uh, Trey Mullinax, $8,300, another guy who's <laughs> one of the most talented guys on tour that no one's really heard of. Um, They're ranked, this is the top five in driving distance in the field this week. Like, <laughs> just so you know. Well, there you go. Um, and then Someone Seamus did more Power, research than I did. Seamus Power, <laughs> he hits it far too. Um, he's at $8,400. bucks. Um, and then my top-tiered guy who is not a bomber, um, but has had a pretty solid year for the most part. I, I should say last year in 2022, uh, Russell Henley. Um, he had some decent success there, I think, last year when he played. Um, so he's just over 10, 10 grand. So uh, we'll see. There, there they are. There cool. they are, ladies and gentlemen. So I have a couple yeah. couple duplicates, Jay. Um, I'll start with one of our duplicates, $7,200, Joe Bramlett. Let's go, Joe. Up. Front of the pod, hits the ball a fucking shit ton. Played well at the 40 net, um, top 15 a couple weeks ago. Then I go up to Steven Yeager. Well, I guess not up to, same, 7200 same price. Been playing a little bit better of late, and I'm... I'm projecting here. I'm expecting him to kind of start to break out. I thought we were going to see it this past year coming off the great corn Ferry season. He had the year before. And so I'm, I'm waiting for him to kind of get a string of top tens and, and people start to recognize how good of a player Steven Yeager is. So maybe this is the week. Then I'm going to go up to 7,700 Andrew Putnam, just a pretty solid guy had a very solid year. Um, I like him there. Then I'm going to go uh, Trey Mullinex, just like you, Jay. $8,300. Had a great finish here at this event last year after his, uh, I think he was injured a little bit, but had a really good um, summer to end the, the 22 campaign. Then I'm going to go up to Taylor Montgomery coming off the Corn Ferry Tour. Had a, I think he was, what, third at the 40 net playing well. A little nervous here at the $9,600 price tag for Taylor Montgomery, but I believe he's one of the, truly one of the best in the field, so I like him. And then, not a long hitter, kind of similar as your top guy, but not the same top guy, $9,900, Denny McCarthy. Yeah. Has been playing uh, very well this summer. He has finishes like all his last four starts at this event have been top 20 finishes. So even though he's not a bomber, he plays well here, and he can putt the boobs off the ball. Yeah. I mean, that's tough to do. It is tough to do. I mean, I mean things are before. strokes gained <laughs> boob putting is through the roof <laughs> with this guy. And so, Must be a new statistic. <laughs> <laughs> he is a good damn putter, though. He really is. He so. Is between him rolling the rock and him liking this golf course, I like him at $9,900 to round out my squad. So there it is. Everyone, um, I know you'll be face pressed against the TV watching the Sanderson Farms this weekend. Sam Burns is there as your defending champion, and hopefully they have drinking water. So <laughs> Yeah, that'll be good. Anything else, gents? Oh man, um, yeah, really excited about the Sanderson Farm. So I'll uh, love it. We'll check back in next week. You know, we might sh- we should play a game. I'm going to set up something. We're going to play a game one of these days. I'm going to take some random 
guys from a PJ Tour event names. I'm going to take some of these random live guys, and I'm going to see if you guys can guess which tour are they playing on this week. I, I'm sure I, I can't. For it's going to be a game show. That, that could be fun. <laughs> I'm down for that. We can keep. Yeah, we can keep some, We can put some. We can put some cash on it. Yeah. Name which country this guy is from, and which <laughs> tour is he playing on? The country this will one. be tough. I think yeah. that could get a little <laughs> not good because I'm sure that we've already had our fair share of saying the wrong country for some of these guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna nationality. <laughs> Never know how many Spanish sensations will be. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Where's that? What's that close to? <laughs> so yeah this is gonna be just like i said abysmal this week but here we are and we're gonna start our new new uh DraftKings power rankings for the hosts and we'll keep everyone abreast of of how that goes this season let's put a year long some year long cash out we'll probably have to put i think we're gonna have to do that yeah because then then it will make it worth it yeah i like it so yeah um all right gents that was a pleasure and to all of our listeners, thank you as usual for tuning in and downloading. Please, if you can, share with some friends, like, subscribe, review, do whatever you want to support us. We appreciate it. Cheers. Later. Later.